With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for downloading another episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Golf Unfiltered, and you can always send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Folks, we have reached a very important milestone. Well, you know, it's 150 episodes, so I thank you guys for sticking with us for 150 episodes, and the show continues to grow. Many thanks to our friends over there at the Hackers Paradise and those of you listening on the THP Radio app. Very proud to be part of that network, and I understand that the network is growing. So welcome to the PAR train, our friends over there at the podcast uh, who have also joined the network. Looking forward to hearing more great things from them. Today, we welcome back Mr. Josh Babbitt from the Hackers Paradise. Now, Josh has been on the show a few times in the past. We got a lot of positive feedback from the most recent appearance that he had on the podcast, uh, where Josh talked a little bit. He, he, he brought us behind the curtain, so to speak, on his journey throughout golf, as well as how he got started with uh, THP and other areas. And we decided to bring him back on for a couple of reasons, because most recently, back in uh, January, Josh and his team at THP uh, you know, joined alongside with last week's guest, Michael Verska, went to the PGA show and they, you know, did everything that a great media outlet would do. They covered it wall to wall. They spoke to a lot of people. There were some great content interviews on that website, thehackersparadise.com. And, you know, one of the things that goes on for those who haven't been to the show, one of the things that goes on, it's a great opportunity to network with, with other people and, you know, hear a lot of stuff about what's going on in the equipment space. And so Josh and I talk a lot about that element in today's episode. We do touch on a few uh, common themes that are going on, or, or I should say timely themes that are going on right now in the golf equipment space, uh, even touching a little bit on this social media back and forth that we're seeing some OEMs do, uh, original equipment manufacturers. And that's something that uh, Michael Verska and I touched on very briefly in last week's episode as well. So before we get into today's conversation, which I really think you guys would like, want to remind everyone to go out to our Patreon page and become a patron of the show. Show your support. We have some reward tiers there as well, and I want to give a shout-out to both Ryan and Christopher, who are uh, our patrons at this time, and thank you so much for your support. And, uh, you know, if you do like the show, feel free to not only send me an email with your feedback, which I take very seriously, but also go out to uh, iTunes and rate us five stars and leave a review, because we do read those, and we uh, always want to improve. So, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this very in-depth, and I hope you find to be interesting conversation with Mr. Josh Babbitt from the Hacker's Paradise. Welcome back, folks, to the Golf and Filter podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I am happy to welcome back Mr. Josh Babbitt from thehackersparadise.com and THP Media. JB, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I didn't think I was going to get invited back after our long one 
ran for about uh, 45 minutes and delved into the history of this, the craziness up in my mind. How, how could I not have you back when that was probably one of the most talked about episodes we've done? And people just loved it. They, they, they wanted more JB, and so I had to give the people what they wanted. I'll be honest, nobody wants that. <laughs> but we're going to go with that regardless uh, for today's discussion. And so, JB, you know, you and I, you know, we got want to get to a few things in this episode. And I think that the time is right in just the culture and the, 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 uh, the temperature, I guess you could say, of the social space regarding golf equipment. And listeners who frequent your site, who frequent my site, know that we're big equipment guys. Uh, you have recently just gotten back from the PGA show in Orlando, the PGA Merchandise Show. You guys did great coverage, wall-to-wall coverage. You had a great team down there over at THP. And obviously that's kind of the uh, the Kid in the Candy Store event for guys like you and me. Before we get into some specifics about the show, what was your overall just feeling of how the show went this year? Because I've been hearing different things from different sources. Sure. Um, first off, it was a good show. We had a great team, including Michael Verska, who was on your show last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, having somebody like that that is an actual manufacturing and R&D expert doing – being on the other side of the mic and covering it for us was something that was really enjoyable. And the content continues to come out and will continue to come out for a good month. Um, the PGA show, I, I've heard the same thing. I've heard differing reports. I would say this. Uh, it was also the return of Tiger Woods to main, main tournament golf. So mm-hmm. I think there was a tension that was diverted elsewhere. I thought it was a good show from the company standpoint, um, traffic-wise. I thought the people that we were there to see were all seen, and you know we covered the entire show floor. In fact, we walked it multiple times. But there was a different air there. You know, Wednesday was pretty crowded. Thursday, there was some space in the aisles. You could actually move around, which is not normally the case. So, yeah, it, it was a different show. I would say that from that aspect, it's both good and bad. I think the manufacturers get to speak to real media and good media and the traffic that is not necessarily necessary, if that makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. isn't there. But there's still a lot of that. Everybody, all these golf clubs send people who don't need to be there or shouldn't be there. Um, not because they're not, they, they're not important or anything like that, but you know, the show was originally for buyers and media. And it's gone to a different level. And like Friday, you could see that people were giving their badges to random people outside and anybody who wanted to go in could go in. Wow. So did you hand your uh, Josh Babbitt badge off to anyone that you could? uh, I tried to. Nobody wanted it. (laughs) They were like, we don't want to be associated with that name. Sorry. Oh, geez. Now, just kind of set some context for people who may not have been to the show. And I've only gone once, but it's uh, traditionally, like you mentioned, it was for buyers. It was for media. It was for people, for brands to kind of you know, get their products out in front of these folks that are going to spend money to hopefully equip golf shops and, and what have you. And now that is kind of transitioned to something you mentioned where PGA professionals, uh, the PGA of America professionals can go in and also see these products. Yeah, it has transitioned. And that's not just on Reed, who handles the PGA show, but it's also on the industry as a whole. We're no longer a January release products run for the year and move on. Mm -hmm. There were very few products that were new to market at the PGA show. Uh, Being a part of the media, I'm sure you got an influx of press releases of new products coming out like, you know, a couple weeks ago, right before the show. But it's really a changed thing. The largest brands didn't have a ton of new products. Now they were new. There were there were products that aren't in retail stores yet, but they most of them have already been announced through digital and through print publications 
to say, hey, look, this is coming because we don't have a traditional launch date anymore. Uh, and clubs are, and companies are releasing things all the time. Now, the way that you cover and most people who go uh, from media who want to cover the show and, you, you know, we see vlogs going up. And honestly, you know, you guys have the best coverage that I've seen. Uh, let's explain a little bit about your how check you, is in the mail. Uh, thank you. Uh, and see how we, you know, approach that particular uh, what what is your approach to cover the show? I mean, it's uh, all these trade booths all over the place. Some are larger than others, and we're going to get to who was there and who might not have been there this year around. But literally, it's you and a camera crew going around with a couple microphones and Michael Verska and, and and talking to these folks. Yeah, and so there's a lot of different ways to cover the show. There's other media outlets that don't really do anything but cell phone pictures and live stuff, and that's cool. Everybody has a different way. They know their audience better than we do. We do two things. We have a crew there that is there to take pictures live and post in a forum thread that we have where people can see everything we see. So if we're getting ready to interview uh, Harry Arnett or Tom Olsofsky or all these other people, they're going to get to see that we're getting ready to interview that. And while we're interviewing that, we have people who are taking pictures of the equipment and posting it live as it happens. Uh, both on our forum, we do some stuff on social and so on and so forth. Then we this year we shot uh, about 130 gigabytes of video coverage. Now that sounds way more than it is, but because we shoot in 4K, the video files are are pretty large. We uh, we take that back and edit it, and it comes out in a timely manner. And it usually runs for about a month. And we find that uh, it's a little just it's just a little different. Everybody wants new fast here right away. Mm -hmm. So we want to give them that because the year we didn't and we held it back, we understood their their thought process, which is, well, I'm seeing the goods on, uh, elsewhere around Twitter and stuff like that or other websites. We want that, too. So we give them that also. But we also go dive deep into technology. And by having Michael Verska there with us. We we're able to have something that was that's been pretty incredible. We had a video go up last week where Michael is talking to Tom Olsofsky at Cobra Golf about center of gravity locations, mm -hmm. and it's about a seven-minute video, and it is probably the most in-depth thing you're ever going to hear on center of gravity, and it's just exclusively on our website. Now that doesn't mean you know we thought of it first or anything like that. It's just we happen to have the idea to do it at the show with Michael and Tom. And you could see both guys just forgetting the cameras were there and having a conversation as two engineers, and it was pretty neat. It is a fantastic networking opportunity, not only for the folks that cover the the game and equipment, but also for equipment manufacturers to get that type of technology out to people who can cover it. And and certainly there are the major brands that appear at the show. You know, we have the Callaways, the TaylorMades, the Pings, and everyone else. But I've also heard that there are some brands who are choosing to no longer be at the show, and, and that surprises me. There are, and it started a few years back. There were some major brands that dropped out, but they've mostly come in with Ping and TaylorMade and even Titleist. Um, all have large presence, all do a great job at the show. Uh, this year and last year, Bridgestone Golf didn't come. Uh, we've had some shaft companies, True Temper and UST. They don't come. And, you know, to be honest, there's there's not really a necessity. Their business is mainly going to be uh, business to business through the OEM. So they're with them all the time, as well as uh, with the media. And if the media it works with them, they'll go see them or vice versa and get the content that way. Uh, the Bridgestone one, the first time was uh, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And then this year again, they didn't come. Um, they're, to me, I, and we've heard some rumblings and some rumors, to me they're, they're in a kind of a, an interesting situation. And we can dive into that if you'd like to. Absolutely. Well, one of the things 
about Bridgestone, the common thread here between Bridgestone and other companies is, of course, Tiger Woods. And I remember, I believe it was two years ago, when TaylorMade had this big to-do about the unveiling of the worst-kept secret in golf, which was Tiger was now playing their equipment. And now Bridgestone has Tiger in their stable, and this was a week, coincidentally, that of the PGA show that Tiger was also playing golf, but there's no presence there. And so that's an interesting dynamic to me as well. I, I would agree, and I'll go as far as saying... Um... Uh, that we heard a rumor that they were not supposed to use original content with him based on his past transgressions that came from Bridgestone Global. Now, hmm. I believe that is strictly for the tinfoil hat-wearing crowd. I have contacted Bridgestone to get uh, uh, a thought, their thoughts on it, and they didn't really have much to say through their PR company. Um, but I don't believe there's much to that there. But I can say that there are, when it comes to that brand, they, they've had their their struggles. And mm -hmm. in the last month, we've seen press releases and even articles go up saying that they had a record year. And that's true. They, they released a record number of products and release is not the right word. They, they shipped a record number of products. Mm -hmm. But what the flip side of that is most of the year was done on pr promotion. So they actually, from what we were told, had lost more money than they had lost in a long time. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Uh, in 2017. So with 2018 looming, and they have a new head of golf that came in uh, 2017. It might have been the end of 2016 from outside the golf space. We heard some rumblings that there were some major retailers not thrilled with their promotions and marketing campaigns as well hmm. and uh, have even possibly stopped carrying the product or will stop carrying the product. I, I have no way to back that up. We've asked We've heard it from two separate sources. We've asked Bridgestone Golf, and we have a, a no comment right now. So I don't want to put that out as fact, and that's not normally our type of thing. Sure. But them not being at the show again, completely understandable. We learned that in the middle of the year last year when I was at their office in Covington. Uh, the cost versus what they get out of it when their release was already done on the golf balls, the Tour B line of golf balls, which is a great product. And with the clubs not being done yet, that it was a it was not the right time to make a, a return to the show. You know, it's interesting because you know situations like that, and and certainly you know we're just we're just talking here. I mean, we don't know anything factual, of course, but it just got, kind of reminds me of the fact that yeah, this is still a business. I mean, the performance of products and Bridgestone makes some outstanding products. I mean, let's just call it what it is. But they definitely do. There's... But I mean, the flip side of that is there is a marketing promotion exactly. side too. And you're talking about a brand that was firmly in the number two golf ball spot. Uh, when Callaway launched Chrome Soft, they fell to number three. Um, and then as of towards the end of last year, they fell to number four behind TaylorMade as well. And you're talking about a brand that they weren't quite at 20%, but they were getting pretty up there and close to that number in, in ball market share down to, you know, hovering between five and 10%. And uh, the... To give you the quote from the company a few years ago, golf ball market shares continued to erode. So I believe that there's some changes going to take place. They have too good of a product, and frankly, they have too many people that are really nice people and good people to continue down this way. The flip side of that is the industry has changed, and your message can be as important as your product in some ways. Your product still has to back it up. You can have the greatest message in the world. If the product's no good, it doesn't matter. 
Well, I want to talk a little bit about that concept of, of message. And listeners to this have heard me talk about this before. And certainly, you know, you and I both do equipment reviews to a certain degree. You guys over there do much more than I do. And you actually get your community involved as well to do them. But there is that point where, you know, there is that marketing element and a message goes along with that element. And so how that message is being conveyed from people who do reviews, I feel that that's also shifting. Would you agree? It depends what you mean, but yeah, from a from a topical sense, yes. So it, to clarify, you know, let's say for listeners who might not know how this all thing works, you know, a lot of times uh, you had mentioned press releases will go out ahead of the PGA show. I, I do get a lot of them, you know, and every so often I could I, I can make the choice in my world here where I could go ahead and just well, basically repost the press release, which is just probably littered with PR speak that nobody understands anyway. Or I could go ahead and request for a product to try to test it in my own way with the resources I have and then give my opinion of that product. And a lot of times, well, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but sometimes the way that I convey that opinion might rub an OEM the wrong way. And just last week when we when we spoke to Michael Verska, he had mentioned that, hey, you know, that's kind of being noticed more frequently from OEMs and they're being a little bit more, I'll use the word picky with who they send product to in an attempt to, you know what, what's the value, the ROI for us to send you something if you're just going to kind of hate on it. Well, and and I would say there's a, there's the flip side of that. And here's what I would, I would tell you. I don't think it's as much from an OEM standpoint, based on who I've talked to about a positive or a negative review mm. on who they choose to send equipment to versus the process of which it's reviewed and the people behind it, if that makes sense. So, you know, at THP, and I'm not a writer, we have more talented writers than me. And excuse that noise if you heard it. I just smacked my knee into the desk. <laughs> um, if we review a product, I don't think it's our place to tell somebody if a product is good or bad. I, I just, that's not, the, that's not our thing. Our, or if it's the best or the not best. We can tell you if the product works as described, and that's our goal. We have, each one of our writers is fitted with a launch monitor. They take a product, they put it through its paces, both on the range, on the course, get others to try it out, and then report back on what the club is supposed to do. Does it do it as well as it's supposed to do it? And who is it geared towards? And then we hope that the person's going to take it upon themselves to try it out and see what they think. And then for, hopefully for us, they also give their feedback, whether it agrees or disagrees with it. I do think that there's a little bit of a misnomer out there that, well, you gave a bad review, therefore we're not going to send you clubs anymore. Now, that can be the case maybe with, with um, a smaller audience. But like I said on our last show, we've never once been told you need to review something like this you need to do it that i think they like the way we review products all the brands do we review products for every single brand out there i mean from your bomb tech grenade to you know callaway titleist TaylorMade, ping mizuno and everybody else i i think people like the process the fact that we're extremely thorough we write our reviews in long form we take our own in-studio pictures we cover things in video we travel to them to get fit if they if they want that there, there's a lot of things that are a little different rather than taking a bunch of clubs, putting them with people and and telling somebody which is the best. And now I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the hot list has been doing it that way for a long time. They don't really declare a winner anymore. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a different way to review equipment. Now, I can understand 
if the guy who owns abcgolf.com and I'm there that site probably doesn't exist I'm just making that up reaches out to ping golf and says hey the g400 is getting some pretty good buzz I want to test that out and his first review out is that he doesn't like it right. I understand them looking at it from an audience and cost standpoint and saying well this guy's got nine readers um he's trying to shock and awe to get a larger audience that's not really for us hmm. I understand that that mindset. Now, is it the right way to do business? I don't know. But it doesn't take much to create a golf website now. So everybody with $12 and wants to support GoDaddy can go start one up. That doesn't mean it's going to be good, but it doesn't also mean it's going to be bad. So I think that there's a little bit out there that's that's a little off. But I do I will agree with you in the fact that I think OEMs are being more selective. I just I'm not sure it's based on a positive or negative review mindset. I'm going to play devil's advocate just for a second. And sure. something you had mentioned made me think of this. So, you know, obviously we, we, we hear all the, the market speak and the, the advertising slogans from these companies, and they do make a lot of claims. And they like to say that this driver is longer than the last one they just released, or this ball will get you more distance off the tee or whatever it is. And then, you know, individuals like myself or, or your, you know, your team and others go and they test that and they one of the things you mentioned was, is this product doing what the brand says that it can do? And, you know, do you feel that partially with this changing landscape, the way that, you know, OEMs are being a little bit more choosy, do you feel that that's a result of maybe a form of validation that, hey, maybe this isn't as good of a product as the OEM says it is? Or is there some, is that just a little off base? In my opinion, it's actually a little off base, and it's not because of the that it's not going to be felt at a personal level. Mm-hmm. I think it's more because the testing frequency and the way it's done is not the same way a product is tested. So, to give to bore our readers even further, or listeners, I should say, um, the testing process is pretty complex for a manufacturer. They do robot testing; all of them have robots. They do player testing, and they do in-house testing, and they do tour testing. The products, they're not going to release a product and say four yards longer, seven yards longer, 17 yards longer, whatever it is, unless they have some sort of validation. So to let everybody behind the curtain a little bit and bore them even further, Mm. there's a poker game I play in in Carlsbad when I go out there. (laughs) And um, if our staff writer, Dean, is listening, he's been there as well. And it's with uh, uh, people from all different industry areas in golf. And even some not that started out in golf, all different companies are represented. It's, and it's a fun time. The guy who hosts it used to be in the shaft business. It, it's, it's a really fun time. We, one of the times we were there was the only time ever that we heard something that we walked out of there and we were like, holy shit, what did he say? Hmm. So equipment related or just in yes. general? So, and I'm going to try to speed it up here because I'm boring people to no, death. No, you're fine. Um, he was a former head of testing for one of the large manufacturers. Okay. And he said they every product they'd ever tested came back with whatever it needed to come back with, meaning if they marketed something as 17 yards further, they that's what they got. And it could have been based on the club they compared it to or whatever it is, but they, they got there. He said – there was one product that came after 17 yards longer, and obviously that kind of gives away who it is, where he was just like, well, that's not true. Mm. 
he said they couldn't get there. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't get there in other testing. That was just what, what he found. And this is going back to a different regime at a company that those people aren't there anymore. He's long since retired and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not going to bag on, on TaylorMade Golf in any way. I find their products top-notch, and I find most of their marketing that they've done as of late pretty spot-on. Um, we have content coming on Twist Face and some that they've already seen that I think people are going to really enjoy. So I, this was definitely not to bag on any one company or all the companies, but I do think that there's a methodology going back to the original question of reviews that, mm-hmm. well, I didn't get those five yards, therefore the company's lying. Right, right. Well, and that, I mean... And that's not really the case. It isn't. And so you're right about the testing methodology. And, you know, for someone who doesn't have that resource of a ball launch monitor or, you know, anything that could give you hardcore data, if you're just going off what your eyeballs are saying, I mean, we're imperfect. Or a repeatable swing. Exactly. That's absolutely true. And my so guys I'll give you a, yeah, I'll give ahead. you a story where this one's, this one's a little interesting because it involves me personally. Um, when I tested the Epic driver, I gained more yardage than most people were talking about. Obviously, it was a fitting aspect. I'm, I'm not saying that this driver or any driver is going to magically give me 11 more yards of distance. That normally doesn't take happen. This one gave me just under 11 yards, oh, on average, over a lot of golf balls on the Foresight GC Quad, mm-hmm. which is our preferred launch monitor for testing. So when the Rogue came out, I got fit at the same place I got fit for for the Epic, which was not Callaway. It was an independent fitter. And I gained yardage. And I gained pretty good amount of yardage. To, But that wasn't because the ball is going faster. In this case, it wasn't. It was going the almost the identical ball speed as the Epic was for me and identical to another brand. Um, but I got higher launch with the same spin. So for me, I gained just over six yards in the new Callaway Rogue mm-hmm. than I did from the Epic. Now, most people are probably not going to see a 16-yard gain in two years. Right. Especially not somebody like me who doesn't get to play golf as much as I'd like to. But that's what I got. Now, flipping back, when I tested other drivers last year, I also gained yardage. Not 11 yards, but I also gained yardage. So obviously a lot of that is swing-related. But that goes back to the same thing. I would not be the person to come out and say, well, this this driver's the best because it gave me 11 yards distance. That's not fair. The same person's going to pick that up and not get that, and they spent their hard-earned money on something that I'm going to have. I'm not going to be able to sleep at night knowing that I, I might have tarnished their their golfing or some sort. Instead, if I report back on what Jailbreak does, and I'm using Epic as an example, sure. what Rogue does with Aerodynamics, what Rogue has done with Jailbreak and Aerodynamics combined with Boeing, and let them decide for themselves if it's something for them. I think that's a better way to inform. The, the consumer. And at the end of the day, our goal is always to make our readers more educated. I find a more educated consumer, a more powerful consumer. One of the aspects of this, this talk about message is, uh, you know, how it's shared, not only by folks like me and you, but also from the OEMs themselves. And, you know, we all have this great tool nowadays in social media. Oh, this is going to be a good segue. I like this already. And so people are talking OEMs are talking a lot to each other. There's people that are chirping back and forth, and certainly, you know, we we've we've built relationships on the medium uh, with these folks. But you know, when you see things like you know representatives from Callaway, for example, you know, let's just call it what it is: sending out shots and and questions. Let's just call it questions at other brands and overtly referencing them in their messaging, at least on the social media element. 
I mean, that's that's a change itself. And people are reading that. And to your point about how, you know, the consumer may be influenced on, you know, what is actually being messaged to them. I mean, that this is this all plays together. It doesn't cost money to, to open a Twitter account. No, and I think the message has changed. Well, maybe the delivery has changed. So a little backstory there were when TaylorMade released the R11 the white driver and everybody was all over it i think it was the R11 was the first white one for them um callaway released an ad in print publication with don't be a sheep you know uh, you know follow, because everything else was white get their driver and right. then last year i remember bridgestone came out with the don't follow a flock going after titleist for their golf ball play something different there there's the message of attacking without attacking has always been there, and mm-hmm. in some ways it's done very, very well. The social media aspect is in the moment. It's raw. It's bold, and I think it's much more spontaneous than people think. I don't think uh, – there's been a lot of talk as of late of this is a thought-out, well-constructed message to go. I, I don't I don't believe that. No, so no I don't either. To give you a couple of examples, at the PGA show during it, uh, Harry Arnett from Callaway made a comment about how busy their booth was and Tomo Bystead at TaylorMade showed the picture, showed a picture of the fake Trump inauguration with nobody there. <laughs> I and remember that. Yeah. I, I can understand why that might ruffle some feathers and Harry went, got, I wouldn't say got defensive, but responded and actually responded pretty well. Um, and then the, other messages were taken down, so it looks like Harry was talking to nobody. Right. But you can use your imagination, I guess, if you didn't see it on what was said. And then the follow-up, again, involved Harry, which is coincidental, I guess, is after that Titleist ad came out, Harry said – he tagged Titleist and said, how's it going? And then kind of went on about his issue with their ad. His issue with their ad has a lot of merit. I'm not sure if the message does. That's up to Callaway. I I thought it was pretty straightforward and honest. And I actually, the one thing that he does, and probably better than anybody in golf, if you're involved in the engagement part of it, is he'll respond. Yeah. Yeah, He doesn't just put something out for shock and then move away. He'll respond. And he took a lot of criticism from different people. It's easy to do that when you're behind a keyboard. Sure. But you're talking you're not talking to a director of marketing. You're talking to the senior VP and chief marketing officer of a billion dollar company. And he's engaging. And people said, "Well, you did it too." And he said, "You're right, we did." Mm-hmm. And when we were called on it, we took it down. Uh, I don't actually don't know the facts of that if they did or didn't. I believe him when he says it. I didn't have a problem with it. I will say the ad is uh is interesting. Let's put it that way. Because you could make the case that same ad if they put the Pro V1 in there, it would do the same thing because we're talking about similar golf balls. Right. But, you know, if you're Titleist and you haven't done as well in the ball or club marketplace as you wanted to in 2017 and even 2016 for that matter, you have to find a way. And removing NXT removed a product that was priced higher than their competition. So throwing in Torsoft, which is a similar ball to others on the market, at least from a materials and construction standpoint. Uh, obviously, th- it's, it's different, and they've, they've gone with the larger core and thinner layer on the cover. But if you're doing that, there's an element that you have to be prepared that when you're releasing a $35 two-piece ionomer-covered ball, you're going to get criticized, especially when you're comparing it to 
uh, tour level premium balls and not including your own in that testing. It's it's hard to not respond when you're being called out in that way, you know. And it's I, I oh, trust me, I know. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't I don't fault Harry at all. I mean, and and the, like, you know, listeners to this sh- should understand that you know both you and I like Harry very much, and it was just the one. I think example. most people in golf do, but yeah. we also like other brands. I I, I don't think what he did was wrong. I really no. don't. I as long as he was a, willing to participate and agree in the conversation that came afterward, and he was. If it was one of those things where Hey, Titleist, how dare you do this? And then he walks away and turns his phone off. That that I'd have an issue with. Yeah, yeah. There there are different ways to to handle things like that. So you know, it's it's funny though because you 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 have these these folks out there who are willing to be engaging, and assuming that you know you don't have a bunch of fake followers, which was another big thing that came up recently. You know, you you have the opportunity to have this really engaging conversation. Let to your point with the you know senior vice president of a brand who's going to give you opinions on their products that you wouldn't normally get anywhere else specific to the question that you're asking. And so I don't want to imply or infer that these conversations shouldn't take place. It's just it is interesting that these these brands now are talking to one another in a public forum. And you know, you're absolutely right, JB. I mean, it's probably very emotional and just spontaneous at the time. I agree. I don't think this is there's any planning or, or orchestrate orchestration behind any of this stuff i mean it's just you know you've got this personal account that you have the opportunity to send something out to, to people to listen to and uh, we just you know unfortunately sometimes it comes across one way or another but ultimately i feel this is something that's going to continue with oems for the foreseeable future right i would i would tend to think so i you know the other part that's often not left out because it's not really known is golf is a small industry in nature so employees are everywhere to give you some examples tom Olsofsky started at titleist went to taylormade now he's at cobra harry arnett was at taylormade now he's at callaway chip brewer was at adams now he's at, at callaway so these people know each other and know each other pretty well and most of the time they really like each other um you know, there's there's a lot of aspects that go along with this. Now, the flip side of that is we said it was spontaneous and, and, and in its way. The ad wasn't right. So, you know, they had to know, regardless of brand, if Callaway does it, Titleist is going to be thinking the same thing. Now, I'll go a, a step further and say that inside the walls at Titleist, and I can't say that I heard this from a Titleist employee, but I can say that I know it's correct. They are going to target Callaway Golf this year. Hmm. It, it's going to be a direct target because they, let's face it, they're the number two golf ball in the world. Right. Right now. Why wouldn't you target them? It makes sense. I mean, that from a business standpoint, again, getting back to the point that this is still a business, you have to take on your, your biggest competitor. Right. So if you are Titleist and you are the number one golf ball sold, number one golf ball used on tour, and last year you lost a... a pretty significant amount of market share both to that company and others you have to go on the offensive a little bit because playing defense worked for a long time and it's not working now now i expect that there's going to be more targeting there and i expect that there is going to be a lot more to it um, both in the digital space and the uh the uh, traditional media space so i i think you're going to see a lot of that this year i don't think it'll be as in your face as that one was because that was pretty bold predict uh claim on that advertisement but right. i think you're going to see more yeah I, I do too jb and you know looking at the clock here you know obviously you and i like to go on and on and on and, and you know i hope listeners understand that you know we could do this 
as many times as you guys want. And so continue to send in any questions or requests that you might have to the show, and we'll get that figured out. But, JB, one thing I failed to ask you, and then I'll get you out of here on this question, is, you know, going back to the PGA show, I asked Michael Verska the same thing, and he gave some opinions on some of the, the highlights that he saw in terms of equipment. You saw a lot of stuff. In your mind, what were the top, I don't know, two, three pieces of equipment that you feel are going to be the most exciting, not only for, uh, you know, amateur players, but really these, these products span multiple layers or multiple levels of players. You know, what are the, the two or three products you saw that really caught your eye? Sure. Um, the, the thing that caught our eye the most was from Foresight and the GC quad putting application. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a video on it a couple of weeks ago that from day two, it was like our buzz of day two at the PGA show. It's truly can be game changing, both from a consumer golfer level where they can go get fit for a putter or even just try putters out and see which ones work best for them and get the actual data. And from a research and development side of things where they can learn even further without hundreds of thousands of dollars what the putter face is doing with the golf ball. So that was definitely right up there. Going a step further, uh, in the golf ball space, there was a lot of talk of the Callaway new Chrome Soft with graphene. Graphene is going to be a material that people hear a lot about over the next few years, and rightfully so. Nobel winning, incredible material. It's in their golf ball. That had a lot of buzz going. From the metal wood standpoint, actually, we'll go wedges standpoint, there were two companies that released new wedges. The Callaway and Titleist both released new wedges, um, a new wedge line, I should say. And they had a, both companies had a lot of buzz. There was a lot of go, lot going on in that Titleist booth with Voki there, and people were getting a good message on the grinds and everything else. So that was a big one. Metalwoods, the everybody really, I would say for the fairway woods, the Rogue line had probably the most buzz I'd seen on a fairway wood since the RBZ from TaylorMade a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. People were clamoring for that. From the driver line, you had Rogue, you had M3, M4. Uh, Cobra's milled face had more buzz than I can ever remember a Cobra would having, which is saying a lot. Uh, there was a lot going on. And then if you go back demo day, a day before, you had Wilson announcing who the judges were for their show and that we, we got a chance to you know see some finalist products there that people will get to see as the show airs. So lots of really good stuff. In fact, I would say product-wise, this is one of the better shows I've been to. And that says a lot because we've seen a lot of product launches out during this time. A lot of exciting stuff coming out down the pipe, and we're going to see on shelves, listeners. And so be sure to go out and try all these products out. Uh, JB, as always, very informative, very interesting conversation, and we will do this again in the future. Sounds good. I'm always happy to help.